Demonic spirits can be scary for many people. But as people of God, we have been given authority over these spirits. So how do you exercise that authority? Well, after listening to this episode, you will know. Please join me and Minister of the Gospel, Elder Roosevelt Foster, as we discuss his interesting journey to deliverance ministry. You don't want to miss this episode, so please stay tuned. Hey everyone, it's MJ. Thank you for joining me once again. I hope you are having an amazing day today. I just want to take this time to say thank you to all of our listeners and subscribers and those of you who are new to the Change My Life family. Welcome. I hope that you will subscribe. There'll be many inspirational episodes that will be coming your way. And don't forget, you can also stay connected with us on social media. We are on Facebook as well as Instagram at Change My Life Podcast. So thanks again for your love and support. Okay, so we have a wonderful episode prepared for you today. I have with me Elder Roosevelt Foster, who has been in ministry for 30 plus years, and he is very knowledgeable when it comes to spiritual warfare. And so that is what we're going to discuss today. I think it's important for believers to be educated when it comes to things in the demonic realm. And I know people don't like to deal with that, but you don't have to be intimidated. You don't have to be afraid because God has given us authority and dominion over these demonic spirits. So my prayer is that after you hear this episode today, you will gain confidence in your spiritual authority and begin to exercise it and that your discernment will go to the next level. So, Elder Foster, thank you for being with us today. Pleasure is mine. Yes. And so let's jump right into it. Why don't you tell our listeners, how did you get involved in learning about deliverance ministry? Was it something that just kind of fell in your lap? Were you interested um, at a young age, how did you get involved in deliverance ministry? No, it wasn't something that I was quite interested in. It was something that, as you put it, fell into my lap. I was uh, shortly after I got saved, after I received the Lord, you know, I was going through, I was a teenager in college. I would hang around basically basketball team members. We played ball a lot. And, and then one day some things began to happen that I didn't quite understand, and I felt the need to pull away from the group, and I didn't know why, I didn't understand why at the time. As time went on, I got around a minister, and he began to explain to me how that things that they do was influencing my life because I wasn't influencing theirs, because I didn't step up and say, hey, look, I'm saved now, I don't go to certain places, I don't do certain things. I didn't identify myself as a Christian. As far as they were concerned, I was still the same old Roosevelt. And they continued to do what they wanted to do, and, and I was right there with them. Even though I didn't participate, but I was there. In other words, I was guilty by association. One Sunday, the preacher, a friend of mine, he invited me to church where he was preaching it. And at the end of the service, there was a young boy there, and uh, he was pretty huge. He was he was a pretty he was over overweight. 
and the preachers there were praying for him. And the minister who I came with, he walked in, and they were all excited to see him and glad, and they explained to him that this boy needed deliverance. And so I walked with him, and he told me, he said, you sit down over there someplace. So he said, he said, just keep praying. And I'm looking, and I began to see them pray for the boy for deliverance, and they were asking questions like, how many are you there? And I'm looking at them, and they would ask the question again when they didn't get an answer. And so I spoke out and said, why would you ask them something like that? You can see. It's one person. And they would get irritated with me, and they somebody came and told me what was going on. The boy is being delivered from demonic spirits. And when they said that, you know, I, I closed my mouth and just looked. And as they began to pray for this kid, they began to call out several different spirits, and they called him out by name. And each one of them had a different effect on the boy's personality. And the one who did really had got him was a spirit of gluttony. I mean, the boy was like five feet five, and he was a good 320 pounds, if not more. He was big. The preachers there, they began to pray, and the boy's voice changed. They got a little afraid, and so they trying to get him to be still, and he refused to be still. So they tied him, tied his arms to the pew. And when the preacher that came with decided to go and take over, the first thing the boy looked up at him and he says, uh, they sent you. And the preacher laughed, and I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, uh, this ain't no laughing matter. What's, what's, what's going on? And so he looked over, and he says, uh, this is the boy speaking, the voice coming out of the boy. It says, why must you bind me? Hmm. He didn't say, why did, he didn't say why, did you, why did you tie me up? The voice came out of him and said, why must you bind me? And the preacher just started praying, and the boy said it again. He said, the voice came out and said, why must you bind me? And so... He said, I don't need to bind you. And when he said that, the boy moved his arm and the pew moved with him that he was tied to. To be honest, uh, that kind of shook me. And I looked at it and I stood up and I got away, got back, and they kept telling me just pray. And so the preacher said, untie him. And they took the ropes loose. And he said, you don't need to tie him up. And the boy started laughing. He said, yes. You bind me because you're afraid of me. And the preacher says, no, they didn't understand. That's why they bound you. He said, but so you'll understand. He said, I have power over you because God has given it to me. And he told the boy, he said, sit up. He was lying down on his back flat. And he just raised straight up. He said, lay down. And he, made, he laid back down. And this went on for like 30 seconds. And he said, see I have total power over you. And the voice came out. He said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And God's weakest Christian has power over, over me. Get power over all of us. Then he went to tell the story about how there was a little show in heaven. I wanted to see a show. And he said that there were two angels against 2,000 or more demons. And he said how... It was just funny to God to send Michael, and uh, he named another name, to fight 2,000 of us. And the preacher said, 
So he won, though, didn't he? He said, yeah, he won, he won. He said, but uh, we're going to get you. And the preacher laughed at him. And he began to pray, and he began to cast the spirit out, and he began to call him out by name. And he said, uh, I command you by the power vested in me through Jesus Christ to let this boy go. And he said, you gluttony spirit. And the boy's voice changed. And when it changed, and then the preacher said, now, who are you? Now, that's when I started speaking again. I said, y you guys kind of mess with me with this. And he kept telling me, he said, just sit back and, and keep praying. He kept telling me that. And I'm looking, and and he began to pray for this kid. And uh, he, to make a long story short, he cast out about four or five different spirits out of the boy. And at the end of the service, you know, before the preacher even got up, he was sweating. And his sweat dropped on the boy. And the boy hollered. And he said, your sweat burns. And the preacher said, I'm not done yet. And he started praying again. And he cast out another couple of demons out of the world. And shortly behind that, they were through and they prayed for the rest of us who were there watching the one. Some people didn't understand what was going on, like myself. And uh, some people were afraid. And some people wanted to just get out of there, but they were afraid to leave. So the preacher decided to pray for strength. And he cast out the spirit of fear out of those who were, were there. And about month, two, three months later, I end up going back with that same preacher to that same church. And I, I saw that boy he prayed for and didn't recognize him. He had lost weight. Wow. And then down the line, he had gotten down from being what looked to be about 300 or so pounds. Uh, he had gotten down to a normal weight for a five, seven guy. Five, five, five person. And so it only told me that uh, it was a spirit of glutton that caused this boy to eat. And other spirits came in with him. He opened up. Hmm. And what got me into deliverance was, you know, as time went on, you know, I'm still struggling, wondering if I even want to be saved. I didn't understand salvation uh, the way I wanted to. I didn't understand how come... I can't do certain things that uh, I see other people doing. How come I can't enjoy life? And I went to talk to somebody else, and they would begin to tell me. They said, well, as a Christian, your life changes. You don't live for pleasure. It's not to say that you can't have pleasure in your life, but you don't live for pleasure, as you see some of these doing. And he asked me, he said, what is some things that you want to do? And I told him, I said, well, I want to drink. He said, so you drink? I said, no, not really. I said, but I got an urge to drink. And uh, he looked at me and he says, uh, but you don't drink. I said, no. He said, what else did you want to do? I said, well, um, I want to go out and, and just do some sinful things. He said, why? I said, I don't know. And he began to pray. He prayed for me and he, he got through praying. And I got up and I left. And... I lived on the, at the time I was on the west side of Chicago, and we were on the south side. So I got on the train, and and I'm thinking about what just happened, and I'm looking out the window, you know, back then, the windows, you can open them up, you can raise them up and look out. And the train would always stop from going from Chicago, I mean, going from the south side to the west side, always stop at a certain place. And where it would stop at, it was right around Wabash. Uh, and you'd look out the window, and there was people in the apartment buildings and you can see them 
and the train was stopped. And as it stopped where I was, there was a, a man and a woman arguing. And all of a sudden, I felt somebody sit next to me. And I looked over, and there was a woman. And she looked like she was soliciting. And I just said in my mind, I said, the blood of Jesus. And when I turned my head, she was gone. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't see her. I, didn't, I looked around. I didn't see anything. And I'm thinking, now, what was that? Then that following Sunday, following Friday, I'm sorry, I got to the church where I attend. Well, the, the pastor wasn't there. And there was a, a prayer going on at the end of service after the guest speaker got through. And this young lady began to act up. And once again, she needed deliverance. There was a spirit in her. And she began to go around and she said, I want to come out of the spirit speaking out of the woman. She said, I want to get out of this woman. And so the, the, the uh, minister who was in charge of the service, he told us to just hold hands and we made a circle and keep praying. And he said, just keep praying. He said, I want to get out of the, the spirit. said, I want to get out of this girl. But ain't nobody here got enough power to make me get out. And the people just kept on praying. And then they just get quiet. And the spirit walked around looking at everybody. And then she stopped and she said, my, the saints are praying. And she said, I want to come out, but y'all can't make me come out. And she started naming people. She said, look at you. She said, you can't do nothing because you feel sorry for me. She went around to different people and she's different saying what was going on. And she got to me and she said, and you can't do nothing because you, and she jumped at me. She said, because you scared of me. And I jumped back. And at that point, I went and I made a phone call and I called the preacher who I've been getting advice from all along, who I saw the first deliverance. And he told me, he says, nobody, he says, nobody there can handle the situation. I said, I guess not. He said, well, don't be afraid. He said, God has given you power. He said, I'm praying and I believe God is going to work it out. He said, I want you to go in there and do just what I tell you to do. He said, don't be afraid. He said, but keep praying and ask God to lead you. And I went in there and I started praying and I took control of the service. And I laid hands on her. I got some oil and I laid hands on the woman. And I began to pray and I began to command that spirit to let her go. Now, keep in mind, I, I, I've been, let, been saved for only a year mm -hmm. at this time. And I'm taking over the service and not being pushed back by anybody. The preachers that was there, they allowed me to go forth. And uh, it seemed like the spirit began to obey everything that I said to do. And when I recognized that, it was like that my confidence came up. It was like the Lord was saying, I'm here with you then. And I began to command the spirit to let the girl go, to get out, let her go. Every last one of you, let her go. And as I began to pray, she began to holler at the top of her voice and scream. It was a piercing sound. And my hand was just barely touching her. And one of the preachers looked up and looked at me, and, and he looked at the, the woman, and he said, you're hurting her. I said, I'm not, barely, I'm barely touched. He said, you're hurting her. He said, let her go. And he said, you sit down. He said, you don't know what you're doing. And they pushed me back. And I, I was obedient. I'm just a lay member. And this is a preacher. He decided we're going to pray at that point and let the woman go home. The very next day, we were there. And I believe it was a Bible study. And the woman came forth and she said, uh, I need deliverance. And as she said that, the pastor walked in, walked in, 
And he just took it over and he prayed for and cast the devil out. And that was it with her. Well, down the line, I began to see and experience different things concerning deliverance, uh, warfare. And finally, you know, it was I was at a meeting with a bunch of women, uh, some kind of women's meeting. I was there to help carry stuff and bring in things that they needed. And these women began to, began to pray. And the person conducting the service, she said, uh, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. She said, I want you to stop what you're doing and just lift your hand and start praising the Lord. Start praising God. And I tuned out everything. I tuned out the person who was with me helping and, and everything. And uh, I started praising God. And I just began to praise him. And I got caught up in praising God. And I heard a voice. And it said, yes, I've called you. And I opened my eyes and looked at the person who was helping, with, helping me, and he said, what's wrong? And I said, did you say something? He said, no. And I began to praise, praise the Lord more. And that same voice came back and said, I've called you. And it just rang, and just rang it was as though it was just going through the hallway. I've called you. And it was just lingering. And at that time, I just fell out in tears, and I began to praise him. The next thing I knew, all I wanted to do was praise him and to be what he wanted me to be. And I found myself in service when things would arise. Yeah, most of the time they would call. I was one of them. They would call for certain people in the group. They wanted at least six to seven people in the group to come and pray for people. And I found myself always in that situation praying for somebody else and praying for deliverance until I left that, ended up leaving that church and I joined the church where the minister who had started off, I started off with, he wasn't a pastor. He was just an evangelist. But then he opened up a church, and I started going where he was at. And he had a seminar. You know, some time had passed on. He had a seminar, and it was a deliverance seminar. And he was telling people how to receive deliverance, how to recognize if you need deliverance. And he was explaining how that there's so many people in the church who don't know spiritual warfare because they don't take the time to learn. The Bible says my people perish because of lack of knowledge. And he said that I want you to know what's going on, how the devil is busy. He said, but once you finish this seminar, you won't have an excuse not to know how to combat, combat the enemy. And during that seminar, he talked quite a bit. It went on for two weeks. On the third night, he was praying for deliverance. And sometime we didn't leave that place till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning praying for people for deliverance. And it, after then, it just it just stuck with me. When I started ministry, it, it was there. When I began to preach, it was there, uh, pray for deliverance. One day I was at home, and uh, it was like nobody was there with me, and I was so tired that I went and I fell across the bed. And I wasn't asleep. I'm looking out the window, and it's like I went into a trance, and I'm looking out the window. And all of a sudden, I felt myself looking down, and I realized I'm in the air. And I looked down, and I saw my body laying across the bed. I don't talk about that a whole lot because some people can't handle it. But I talk, when I said it to the preacher, he said that before he could, actually his wife said it to me. She said, uh, I told her that I was dreaming. She said, no, Roosevelt, you were in the spirit. She said, you, you were in the spirit. She said it was like as though your spirit raised up and looked down and saw your body, your natural body, had laying there. And she said, and as you began to pray, she said, your spirit came back into your body. I said, well, I, I don't want to experience that anymore. I said, because literally, 
that scared me. And she said, God has a work for you, and he wants you to be prepared for that work. And there's certain things that you will experience and you'll have to go through. She said, uh, we're going to pray. And they began to pray for me and uh, pray that the Lord would use me, that I would open up and allow him to use me. And I yielded. I found myself with uh, knowledge of things that I hadn't really been involved in. And she explained to me, she said, God has given you the spirit of, not, I'm sorry, the gift of discernment. And then she began to explain why. Wow. God is going to use you, but you have to let him use you. See, some things he'll let you see and some things that you won't see. Some things you may not understand. But even though you don't understand, always obey the leading of the Lord. And from that point on, you know, that's, I tried my best to, to do just that, to let the Lord use me the way he wanted to, even when I didn't feel like it. Even when I didn't feel like praying, I felt myself praying. It got to the point where, as at the time, nobody in my house was saved but me. They, my family would laugh at me. One of my sisters who I was close to, she would call me names. And did it hurt? Yes, it did. It hurt my feelings. And I would pull away, but it didn't hurt me enough to pull away from the Lord. I, and then I realized it's not them. It's the enemy that's trying to get me to take, take down. I said, my sister have no reason to talk to me this way. That's the enemy in her. And so I started paying close attention to her. And I began to talk to her about the Lord, not knowing that she was watching my every movement. Uh, she, told, she would tell me how I would get up in the morning, what I would do, how I would pray, how I would read, everything. And then one day I said, I want you to go to church with me. And she said, uh, okay, I'm going to church with you. She said, but I'm not going to get saved. She said, I don't want to be saved, but I'm going to church. I said, well, I want you to just come. She came to church, and I realized uh, she's watching you watching me. And everything that I did, she did. She, she, it's like if I raised my hands and started praising the Lord, she did the same thing. If I said, thank you, Jesus, she said, thank you, Jesus. If I said, thank you, God, thank you, Lord, she was repeating every word. And then I looked at her and I kind of chuckled and she laughed at me. And she said, yeah, I'm here with you. And so they had altar call. And they had the altar call. I got up and ran down to the altar. And there she was behind me. And she gave her life to the Lord. And we began to pray. We began to pray together. And yet the Lord showed me um, that there was work for me to do. Hmm. And that was just the start. Wow. That's an awesome, awesome testimony. Really. Very powerful. And it just really displays like the power of prayer. I think some people underestimate the power of prayer, but it's so powerful. And to operate in deliverance ministry, you definitely have to have a prayer life, prayer and fasting. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I certainly did. So make sure you share it with someone. I know that they're going to be blessed by it. And if you have not already, you need to subscribe because there is a part two to this episode. And we're going to discuss the right and wrong methods used for deliverance ministry. Should Christians celebrate Halloween and more. So you definitely don't want to miss that. And don't forget, you can stay connected with us on social media. We're on Facebook as well as Instagram at Change My Life Podcast. Wow. Who knew? Walking in deliverance ministry would change my life.